Are TV sports doomed? This is going to be interesting, my friends, an interesting topic we talk about, uh, especially if you're interested in sports, the popular culture, advertising, TV, the whole thing, because let me give you something. In 2019, Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals was the highest rating uh, hockey game uh, since 1994, since the Rangers and Vancouver Canucks played in a game seven. And that basically before that was the, uh, the pre era, uh, of, of TV sports ratings, uh, methodology. Uh, so since 1994, it's kind of like the modern era of, uh, of this. And, and that has been the Bruins and St. and St. Louis blues were the highest rating game seven or the highest rating game in Stanley cup history. And I think they had, uh, like at one point almost 11 million viewers, which is pretty interesting. Uh, in Toronto, when Toronto beat Golden State in Canada, at one point, 44% of all TVs uh, were on that game. Now, not forever. There's just a short amount of time for that. But still, of I mean, Canada's got, what, 40 million people or something like that. So that's a significant amount of people watching the Raptors play the Warriors. Um, in America, the ratings were down pretty good, but... The reason for that is because they don't take into consideration uh, Canadian sports when they do the USA numbers. So I'm going to talk about this. There's a great article uh, from the Big Lead that talks about the amazing resilience of broadcast sports. And I'm going to talk about it from an advertising perspective. But I'm also going to talk about it as a creator as well for you who are considering creating. Because I think there's a lot of tidbits that we can take from this article and the way the culture is today that uh, you may or may not find unless you really dive into it and think about it a little bit. So stay tuned. Please listen to the sponsors. Uh, They help pay the podcast. As always, if you like what you see, give me a subscribe. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Give me a five-star rating on Apple. Comments are always welcome, my friends. Always welcome. So I'll start with, did you watch either the Stanley Cup, or the NBA Finals? Just say yes or no in the comments on YouTube or just comment on the uh, the podcast wherever. I I guess you can't really do that in the comments. So stay tuned. This is June 15th, 2019 of the Josh Stanley Podcast. Thanks now. All right, so let's dive into this article from a big lead. It's uh, the big lead. Thebiglead.com is from June 12th, 2019. I'll put a link in the show notes a party like it's 1969, the, resi- the remarkable resilience of live sports on broadcast TV. Um, so let me just share with you a couple of things. You may or may not remember. If you don't follow sports, you probably don't. Uh, but there was a great Heidi crisis when the Jets and the Raiders went OT uh, in 1969 or something like that. Maybe I can't remember. But anyway, the Jets and the Raiders went, and NBC switched to beginning of a, a show called Heidi. I forgot what it was. Uh, this is a little bit before my time, but I've always been interested in sports. Uh, always the Raiders in particular. I loved the Raiders growing up because my grandpa had uh, season tickets to the Oakland Raiders. And I had Ken Stabler, Dave Casper, you name it, all the posters. I just uh, Raiders trash game, which I still have to this day. Uh, but anyway, uh, so what they did is they switched off. They had contractual obligations at like eight o'clock prime time to leave the game, even though it was going OT, to switch on to the uh, the this regularly scheduled programming, and that led to all kinds of controversy. And they've since gotten around that, and they don't do that anymore. So the issue, though, why do I say it? is because back in the old days, 
everybody watched sports on TV. We didn't have cable. We had the big four. We had PBS or uh, you know, Senate, I get was PBS. Yeah, whatever it is for. Yeah, PBS, right? NPR is radio, PBS or TV at ABC, NBC and CBS. That's it. And so sports, I mean, they had boxing was huge back then. Baseball is huge back then. Football wasn't as big, but starting to become big. And now baseball is, is uh, doesn't hold anything near football at all. Uh, in fact, basketball is a higher rate than, than baseball. But the point is, is in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, sports dominated TV like you wouldn't believe, all right? And so if you're an advertiser, you if you want to get your message out there, you got it out there and using sports as your platform without question. So a lot of people since, since, since Netflix, Amazon, since cable, since YouTube, uh, that those days are gone. And they could not be further from the truth. So let's read this article by Ryan Glass-Beagle, which, again, I find it incredible. And we're going to read parts of this. All right, so let's go with this. Put yourself in the mind of someone in charge of advertising something nationally. The product doesn't really matter. It could be light beer, a blockbuster movie, fast food, you name it, uh, or even a presidential candidate. And years past, if you sought to reach the most people at one specific moment in time, your dollars could be widely distributed across sports and entertainment. Not anymore. In 2019, that money almost always has to go to live sports, most notably the NFL. And at the highest scale, it almost certainly needs to be one of the broadcast networks. Now we got Fox added to the big three, NBC, ABC, and CBS. You're un- undoubtedly well aware that massive amounts of entertainment television consumption has moved to ad-free platforms such as Netflix, Amazon Prime, as well towards subscription networks like HBO and Showtime. In another bucket, cable penetra- penetration dipped below 85% of American homes. Don't worry, says Ryan. This isn't a story about the death of cable, which has displayed its own resilience of late, but the cord cutters are a factor here. While broadcast networkers uh, remain in nearly 120 million households, the result, it's a party like it's 1969 if you're an advertiser and you want to advertise nationally. In comparison to commercial-supported scripted entertainment programming, which has fallen off a cliff, commercial-supported scripted entertainment programming has fallen off a cliff. Live sports have commanded dominance of the TV advertising markets by holding serve. As one network source put it, according to Nielsen Media Research, in 1998, one commercial and 20 premium sports events would have delivered 467 million impressions. And in 2018, one commercial and those same events would still deliver 438 million impressions. The support, the sports supply has overwhelmingly endured while there are comparatively scant opportunities uh, to sponsor dramas and sitcoms. So we're, I just as when you think about it, in 1998, one commercial and 20 premium sports events, you would have had 467 million impressions. That means that would come up in people's feed that many times. Fast forward to 2018, it's just a little bit less than that. Yet that hasn't that has dropped off a cliff for other sponsored dramas and sitcoms. There's not no more Seinfeld. No more, I don't even know what it is anymore. That's out there anymore. Cheers. Remember that? Tom McGovern, the president of Optimum Sports, which does media buying, 
planning and sponsorships for blue chip brands like Apple, State Farm, and PepsiCo explains the implications from an advertising perspective. As the world has fragmented and with the emergence of performance media and data, there has been some tactical change towards targeting and buying a specific audience. But what's a key in every marketing program and media image modeling is reach. So over that time, the decline of entertainment has happened. The need for reach is still there. There are not a lot of opportunities to obtain reach. Sports remains that, especially the NFL. So I want to read that because let me tell you what he's saying here. And uh, There has been a, some tactical change towards targeting and buying a specific audience. But if you need reach, there is nothing left except for sports, and in particular the NFL. But I want to talk about that because I think that's critically important for you if you're an advertiser with your own little brand or if you're a big buyer, you got to understand there's two significant differences. So let me just tell you how I do it. I do some advertising on Facebook. I haven't done it for a while. I need to get back into that. I do certainly advertising on Amazon. I, every now and again, I'll do a Google advertisement on, uh, on YouTube. Now, for those, I have specific targeting, specific audiences, which is hugely important for me. I do not want some 23 kid who's talking about anime. I don't care about that for my advertising audience. I want a soon-to-be retiree or someone's looking at retirement planning is concerned with. That's what I want to target. And the more specific I can get, the better what's called cost uh, click-through ratio my CTR will be. So let me give an example. And there's a book out there by Robert Caladini or Chiladini. I forgot. No, no. It was Al Rees and Jack Trout. That's what it was. Al Rees and Jack Trout. Oh, man. I can't remember what the book is called. But I... Uh, uh, Child, Robert Cialdini is called Influence. Al Rees and Jack Trout, um, I can't remember what it's called. But anyway, they talk about what is better for you as an advertiser or a marketer to have one Super Bowl ad that costs you $5 million bucks, even if you got, you know, let's say $100 million impressions, or to have one ad that costs you $1,000 that had 10,000 impressions, but those 10,000 impressions were among people with your desired audience. In terms of let's just go back. If I'm targeting a retiree base or soon to be retiree base, I don't care about the five million impressions that cost me five million bucks. If the 23 anime fans are watching that, I don't. That's that's a waste of my money. I want to target specific groups of people. All right. I am not. I while I'm national. I don't care about the national average consumer. I care about a certain niche, a certain group of people. And that's what this guy's talking about. As the world has fragmented in the emergence of performance media and data, there has been some tactical change towards target and buying a specific audience. It's more than just tactical. There's been some significant changes. Now, if you are a national brand and you're Apple, let's just use that for an example, and you know everyone in America has an iPhone and there's only, what, two or three brands out there essentially – well, you, you say I, that 23-year-old anime fan and that soon-to-be retiree are all part of my audience. I need to reach them all. I need to reach them all. Now, you might have a different way to do that, to target them in terms of uh, what your ad will be, but I need to reach all those people. How do you do it? Well, that is the only way to do it now is sports, is, uh, is without question. You cannot do it. There's no more MASH. There's no more Seinfelds doing anything like that. You've got to do it through sports. For me, I don't want sports because sports is all-encompassing. I want specific groups of people. All right. So anyway, let's keep going now. 
Uh, we're going back to the article. We've also reached an inflection point at the cost and efficiency, says McGovern. Sports has always been very expensive to reach a mass audience over time, but as the supply of inventory in entertainment, particularly prime time, prime time has decreased so much, the cost has increased dramatically in the supply and demand world, just given the declining supply. And what he's saying is if you're trying for a mass audience, there just isn't the supply anymore. There isn't. I mean, what's the modern family? Uh, who cares? I mean, yes, that is a, a well, I don't know if it is. I literally don't care. I, but at the end of the day, that was a big target for sure. But it didn't have anywhere, anywhere near the reach of sports. In other words, don't bind any hype, which has been happening for at least 30 years, that live rights fees for the sports that deliver the biggest live audiences are going to fall off a cliff anytime soon. I, man, I could not agree with that more. So let's talk about the numbers. Even if you reflexively realize that sports on broadcast TV have been remarkably resilient in comparison to entertainment programming, some of the statistics will astonish you. For example, in the, in the 2013-14 broadcast season, which uh, encompasses Labor Day through Memorial Day, 57% of the programs that averaged over 15 million viewers were live sporting events. Sitcoms and scripted drama accounted for 31%. So in 2013, uh, basically uh, 60% of the uh, shows that had 15 million viewers were sports, 30% were scripted sitcoms and dramas, and I don't know what the other 10% was. However, in 2017-18, sports comprised of 85% of the telecasts that hit this benchmark, while sitcoms and scripted drama combined for just eight. If you take the full year of 2018, 89 of the top 100 most watched TV programs on TV were live sporting events. The NFL accounted for 64 of those 89. The Olympics had 13, college football six, the NBA had four, and college basketball and Major League Baseball had one apiece. I would say uh, the college football is stupid not having a college football playoff. And if the NFL has 64 college football to playoff, it'd be, it would never take out the NFL, but it'd be certainly higher than six. NFL games comprise the seven most viewed TV programs of 2018. In the top 20 programs of the year, only two were not live sports. The Academy Awards and an episode of This Is Us that aired right after the Super Bowl. I don't know what This Is Us is, but that the only two top 20 programs of the year, one was the Academy Awards and one was the episode that aired right after the Super Bowl. And I guarantee it's fallen off a cliff since then because the Super Bowl led into it. Of the aforementioned 89 sporting events, 83 aired on broadcast TV. Five of the six programs exclusive to cable were college football playoff games on ESPN. ESPN also had the Rams Chiefs Monday Night Football Thriller. Additionally, there are three uh, Thursday Night Football games simulcast, simulcast on Fox and NFL Network and an NFL playoff game on ABC and NBA, on ESPN. Again, of the 89 of the top 100 most watched programs were nine were uh, sporting events. Of the 89, 83 of those aired on the Big Four free: Fox, CBS, ABC, NBC. Uh, and then of the regular six, uh, were uh, were ESPN or Fox affiliate or a simulcast on Fox and NFL Network. Synergy. Last winter, NBC had the Super Bowl, 
and the Olympics in the same vicinity. Mark Lazarus, who's the chairman, uh, describes this was an unprecedented opportunity to reach viewers in terms of both total audience scale and key demographics. The Super Bowl and the Olympics were watched in eight out of every 10 U.S. homes. I wonder how much the Olympics, if you took that out, what the Super Bowl was, 60? Uh, 60, yeah, six out of 10. NBC enjoys such, such success with aggregation that they're moving back a year in their next they're moving back here in their next Super Bowl rotation, trading CBS the 2021 telecast for 2022s to pair the big game with the Olympics again. So NBC is saying, look, we're not going to take 2021. We want to do it back to back. So they can advertise the Olympics coming up on the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl coming up in the Olympics. It's a great idea. We're excited about the similar opportunities we'll have as they did in 2018 when eight out of every 10 homes in the U.S. watched the Olympics or the Super Bowl. One thing that bears repeating is it's just remarkable how much of a stranglehold the NFL has, has on the upper echelons of the marketplace. You've undoubtedly heard a lot about the buzz of Game of Thrones. Where do you think the finale would have ranked in live viewership in comparison to the most watched NFL games? 71st. 71st, all but one of the, let's see, all but one of those 70 NFL games aired on broadcast TV. That's crazy. The value of live content and specifically the NFL to uniquely aggregate audience is, again, aggregate means to put them all together. That's, that's the issue now with an advertiser. Are you trying to reach a general audience? You're trying to be specific. Read Jack Trout, Al, Al Rise, and Jack Trout. Yeah, Al Rise and Jack Trout. I forgot. It's not influence, but it's enough. just read Jack Trout. I'm telling you right now, narrow it down specifically if you're a small guy. If you're a big guy, yeah, you got to get reached without question. The, uh, but just think about that. Game of Thrones came in 71st. All but one of the 70 NFL games that were beat the Game of Thrones aired on broadcast TV. Crazy. The NFL's dominance is especially pronounced when it comes to competition versus primetime uh, and other broadcasting programming. As a, let's see, uh, as a chart to the right provided by the league shows, the gap between the NFL via versus broadcast competition only widened between 2017 and 2018 as NFL ratings increased by 8%. Now, look, we heard a lot of NFL ratings declining. We heard that. Uh, but relative to the other, you always got to look at the alternative. It's kind of like Tina. There is no alternative. And that's what I say about stocks. Everyone's like, oh, stocks are too expensive, blah, blah, blah. So what's the alternative? You got to look at the alternative place to invest your money. Or if you're an advertiser, the alternative place to invest your advertising. It's not certainly not going to be in a paper, newspaper. It's not going to be on your local affiliate showing reruns of Seinfeld. It's going to be in the NFL. If Again, if you want the, the broad reach in the Atlanta market or national. But now, with that said, the NFL is now the woods. I mean, we do know for a fact attendance at NFL games has fallen off a cliff. And I don't – it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. I, I, I'm not quite sure where that what that means, uh, if, frankly, if even the NFL cares. I, at the end of the day, I know they care because without cheeks and seats, um, it, it doesn't look as good on TV. I don't know if that means they'll go to smaller stadiums because you think about basketball, baseball, and hockey all have 18,000. Well, I guess baseball is more, but you know, smaller capacity. Basketball and baseball is about 18,000. Uh, basketball and hockey about 18,000 in the arena. Uh, ba baseball now has smaller uh, venues, about 45, 50,000. 
that's just you know more uh it's just a better entertaining value even on TV when the uh, when the arenas are full. Um, and I'll be interesting to see if the NFL, when they start building new stadiums, build them smaller capacity because they're not selling 80,000 tickets anymore. I mean, obviously, Jerry Dome, whatever it's called in Dallas, they can, but by and large, they don't. And other than NFL games, it was just all wasted space, just wasted real estate. Because, uh, yeah, hey, if you're in the Cincinnati Bengals, you're only selling 35,000 tickets and you got a capacity of 80,000, not only are you not getting capacity for the Bengals playing, uh, but when, the, when they're only paying eight games a year and, and we got ten, uh, 10 total when you got two uh, preseason games, you know, that's 357 days the rest of the year. It's just empty. You're not filling those seats in the upper deck for anything. All right, there are broader implications too. Entertainment television has always delivered a higher percentage of females. To reach females through sports has always been very expensive in comparison. Uh, but when you commit, when you do some of the side-by-side comparisons to entertain the programming, we're beginning to hit the inflection point of where the real-time effective cost of reaching females in sports is not as cost prohibitive. If you rank programming like the NFL against other entertainment, even as it relates to just females, it's still going to rise to the top. Uh, they got a picture of some guy. I'm not sure who that is. But while the NFL dominates, the rest of the spectrum is also performing very well. The Olympics have won the night for NBC versus the other broadcast networks 74 straight nights. They beaten the other three TV, other three networks combined for 30, uh, 35 nights. So, I mean, so the NBC beat ABC, Fox, and CBS combined 35 straight nights. That's nuts. And they beat all the other ones every time it's been on. The NBA Finals on a- ABC has won the evening on television 69 straight nights. It's almost certainly, yeah, it did uh, game six the other night. And it's not uncommon for the Stanley Cup Finals on NBC to win the night either, which it just did the other day because um, they had their best ratings ever. Uh, per using uh, the compre- comprehensive college football ratings on Sports Media Watch, 25 of the 27 regular season and conference championship games that averaged over 5 million viewers last season aired on broadcast networks. ESPN had the other two and also maintains a dominance on bowl season. Even as total viewership numbers of the World Series has declined, Fox executive explained to me last December that it draws equal viewership uh, in proportion to the top-rated scripted television as it did 40 years ago. That's interesting. So Fox uh, with the baseball is saying, yeah, the total numbers are watching less for World Series, but in terms of the top rate, like MASH versus the World Series in the 80s, uh, Seinfeld versus the World Series in the 90s, uh, baseball still drawing uh, viewership equal uh, than they used to back then. So it's still just as fine, relatively speaking. Again, it's all comparative. Yeah, I've got to look at wh- if I'm an advertiser, where can I put my money? Would I put it in Game of Thrones, which obviously you can't advertise, but still using that for an example, or would I put it in World Series? The baseball is really hurting. I, I don't I don't see how that I just it's uh, it's interesting. NBA has now beaten baseball significantly in ratings on TV. And when it comes to revenue, ratings on TV are what matters without question, because that's how they get their ads. Yeah. In, in-house concessions are, are good. Uh, tickets are good. But it's, it's revenue ratings, which is what draws the uh, uh, from ads that that make the league without question. 
which is too bad for hockey because hockey's always had a rabid fan base. They'll go to games and pay a lot of money. Uh, but it's a TV sponsorships and ads that really bring the league uh, to, for, you know, to the forefront. A two-way street. It also warrants mentioning that this is not just a one-way street, but a symbiotic relationship. Sports generate profoundly large audiences for them, but the broadcast networks have relentlessly retained their distribution. They're nimbly everywhere, and you can watch them on pay TV over there or even on your web browser. Uh, let's see. Broadcast distribution has endured because there's no substitute for the ability to reach everybody live, says uh, Fox News, or uh, former Fox News executive Patrick Crates, who's now an industry consultant. In an era where audiences are fragmenting at an accelerated rate in the moment Live content requires a free path to every potential viewer in order to maximize its enormous potential value. And only broadcast TV, i.e. free TV, does that. Put it another way, Scott Ehrlich, an executive for Stadium, a burgeoning sports broadcast network, opined to the Washington Post about why households with over-the-air television jumped from $12 million in 2014 to $16 million in 2018. It's the fastest growing segment of TV. People like free. That's interesting. While broadcast affiliates will remain free via over-the-air antenna, a story for another time that's a solid bet that live sports will propel the retransmission fees that the core four networks charge pay TV uh, distributors to rise. Uh, That's interesting. I'm not sure about that. I don't don't know that much about that. But, well, the dynamics have changed. We've discussed... Uh, expect live sports to creep even more into broadcast television. Fox, which sold essentially all of its assets did not pertain to live news or live sports to Disney, is picking up WWE SmackDown this fall. During football season, they'll have NFL bookending the weekend on Thursday and Sundays of the broadcast network. In between, they'll have WWE on Fridays and Pac-10, Big Ten, and Big 12 football Saturdays. The World Sports... Uh, series will be sprinkled in there too. And when the XFL launches in 2020, more than half its viewing windows will be on broadcast TV on Fox and NBC, with the remainder split amongst ESPN and Fox Sports. So that's interesting about the XFL. Because actually, the uh, AAF had decent numbers, man. <laughs> actually, I want to see. I have to look at the XFL numbers versus. Uh, Let's look at Modern Family. It'd be interesting. I, so let's, let me finish up this and I'll look at that. Because uh, that will be interesting to see. Because let's say the AAF drew uh, 4 million viewers. Um, what did the other ones draw in terms of its co- competitors? You know, Modern Family, Jimmy Kimmel Live or something like that. ESPN ABC Super Bowl? The NFL Draft, which had previously been exclusive cable property, debuted on TV broadcast on broadcast TV in 2008 on Fox before moving to ABC this year. A few months ago, my colleague Bobby Barak theorized that ESPN and ABC can conceivably get in the Super Bowl rotation by carving out a new incremental package of international Saturday and holiday games in the regular season, putting them on ABC. While we keep hearing about Fang, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google will inevitably uh, how Fang will inevitably jump to the fray with live rights. In my personal opinion, it's far more likely that this upcoming round of NFL negotiations, in particular, will see a meaningful exclusive package land on the fourth broadcast network uh, in ABC than with a tech computer streamer. I agree with that. 
First of all, the companies that are making the most waves with exclusive streaming are not Fang, but the television incumbents uh, or startup ventures. ESPN Plus uh, has the UFC, College Sports and Soccer. NBC has English Premier League. Uh, streaming live, eight, uh, let's see, Turner Sports under the AT&T umbrella has soccer, now pay-per-view. He goes over the litany of stuff. Uh, television has still has very significant advantages when it comes to live content, says Mulville. Our delivery system is reliable, whether the content is viewed by a million or a hundred million. It's also quicker than streaming, which will put broadcast content in a better position to capitalize on in-game wagering in the future. And for our advertising partners, our audience debt data is ethical, opt-in measurement of actual human beings, not surveillance or bot traffic. That's interesting. Man, I don't know. They, they, Nielsen gets some uh, kickback on if Nielsen is actually as reliable as what they say. Kind of like the polling. Uh, how do you pull people? Oh, we use the, uh, I mean, the, uh, I mean, the polling is just off, is lost his ro- off his rocker. Nielsen, there's a lot of controversy there, too. To his point, However difficult it may be to nail down exact viewership totals, television is measured in level on a level playing field by Nielsen. The networks are federally regulated, which appears to be coming to big tech internet content, but isn't quite there yet. If you're buying an ad on NFL Sunday or anywhere else in sports, compared to placing in the wild algorithmic online jungle right now, you have zero concerns about it playing anywhere in the vicinity of raw videos of a mass shooting or something like anti-vax commentary. So basically what he's saying is if you're buying an ad on NFL, you don't have to worry about being uh, corrupted by anti-vax protagonists or mass shootings. Like I put those two together. That's crazy. We also haven't seen yet if any streamers truly have the bandwidth to handle anywhere near the audience that linear television regularly distributes on a broadcast or cable. Uh, yes, we do. We do know that. Uh, lots of channels on Utah, YouTube deliver more audience than, uh, than CNN does, even Fox, uh, you know, in terms of Fox political shows. Up to this point, the most ambitious exclusive streaming has pertained to monetizing comparatively niche fan bases. Yeah, but that's not a bad thing. He makes light of that. I completely disagree. I disagree with some of his take, but I completely agree with the assessment of sports. Uh, all right, so let's keep looking here. Nevertheless, it's important to note that with these A-list events we've been discussing here, streaming is a did is a did additive to the ecosystem will continue to grow. The NFL, for example, has deals with Verizon uh, that are incremental to their television rights. On a, on a Thursday night football game between the Saints and Cowboys uh, last year, there are 21 million viewers on television and 1.1 million uh, audience for streaming. Again, if you can, if you can, uh, if you you know can, un- how legitimate that 1.1 is, I don't know, but that's what they're saying. Yes, about 20 times as many people watch that game on TV as via streaming. But the streaming audience alone would be ranked among the top 15 programs in cable primetime this past year. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say when it comes to cable TV and YouTube. So this guy, he, he's going playing on both sides. He talked about YouTube with ah, anti-vaxxer ah, and Facebook streaming a shooting. But, but look at Louder with Crowder. That guy gets hundreds of that wrangle star. Tim Pool, even uh, the Young Turks, they get hundreds of thousands of views. CNN doesn't get that. So he says, oh, streaming is bad because you could be thrown in with the other guys, and yet he still talks about cable TV. At least you know you're not getting that. No, 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 no. Uh, broadcast TV, yes. Cable TV, no. Cable TV is is a cesspool. We know that. 
Broadcast TV, on the other hand, if you want a national audience, a wide audience, the sports is the way to go without question. Cable TV is now a niche itself other than sports. Uh, they're competing with YouTube. They're competing with YouTube for that niche audience. So if you want to reach out to liberals, you either you advertise on Young Turks or you advertise on MSNBC or both. That's a fact. If you want a wide audience, though, you don't advertise either. You advertise on sports TV. Finishing up, the bottom line is that ad support live sports are comparatively thriving across all platforms right now, but especially broadcast television, as advertisers have less and less other options to secure considerable audience reach. People will find big live events when they're on broadcast or cable, says NBC executive Mark Lazarus. With more quality content available on more platforms than ever before, there's a great emphasis on live events, particularly sports, to deliver large audiences. Yep. The trend in in decreasing cable homes makes it more of a challenge to reach as many households as broadcast. Uh, Cable penetration going below 85. All right, so cable TV is now below 85% penetration in households while broadcast TV is still at 120 million. So I want to share with you something here. The AAF, Alliance of American Football, was drawing 2.9 million viewers on a broadcast TV, again, over-the-air free TV, all right? That's amazing when you think about modern family. Now, this is just a rerun. I just did one research on this. Is, you know, Don't take this for God's spoken word. But the modern family rerun in uh, April 2019, when there was no uh, football or basketball or football to compete with it, because you don't want to show – was competing with basketball, football, uh, it only averaged 2.73 million. So AAF on a Saturday uh, drew more than Modern Family rerun when there's not competing with anyone else uh, of in terms of a sports of note at all. I mean, on cable, there's basketball playoffs, you know, you know, hockey playoffs, baseball stuff, but in terms of broadcast, 2.73. Jimmy Kimmel Live gets right about 2 million viewers. Uh, Colbert show gets about 3 million viewers on average. That's it. That's it. It's, it's crazy. And yet I'm looking at this is, oh, you go to TV by the numbers. And this is in April, the week of April, 2019, before they had basketball or hockey playoffs. Survivor, which is a unscripted show, had, oh, it was theoretically unscripted, 8 million viewers. The Amazing Race had 6 million viewers. And I don't know what SEAL team, uh, SEAL team is, but that four and a half million viewers. That's at 10 p.m. So Survivor on on uh, April, I'm not sure what date this is, April 17, 2019, had 7.8 million viewers and the amazing race at 5.74. Modern Family only had 2.73 and something called the Goldbergs at 3.27. Uh, it just goes to show you, my friends, that broadcast TV is dead relative to everything else for scripted stuff. People can get let's let's look at. I'm just curious what my man. All right, so let's let's look at what my man over at uh, on the Young Turks uh, and I literally no clue uh, what they get, but you just use them for an example. Let's see what their average. Uh, you know, they got three million subscribers, something like that. So I'm gonna look at Young Turks on YouTube, and we're gonna go to Young. I think it's. What is it Young Turks TNT the TYT? I think it's what it is. The Young Turks, and let's see what they got. So they got 4.3 million subscribers. No way I'm subscribing to these you know, these left wing stooges. Uh, but they did a video uh, 13 hours ago that had 132,000 views. Um, 
they did a video talking about Sarah Huckabee Sanders leaving. 286,000 views. They did that a day ago. So anyway, um, it's just interesting to me. Just interesting as all can be. Let's look at my man, Tim Pool. Uh, see the Tim cast. And now he doesn't have nearly the same amount of subscribers as the young Turks do. But again, this is where you got to read Al Rise and Jack Trout, because if you do, you'll see how. Uh, yeah. So Tim Pool did one on. Uh, oops. Oh, let's see. Videos on a video. His last video he did just 55 minutes ago and already got 17,000 views. So he did uh, uh, 16 hours ago. Ford has just banned Sanctuary City. He's got 111,000 views. Isn't that interesting? And let's go to uh, Steve Crowder and just see uh, oops, Steve Crowder. And a point about that is these are just YouTube guys, and they're getting not to the same extent as Jimmy Kimmel Live necessarily, but pretty doggone close. All right, so here's uh, Stevie Crowder. Uh, 20 hours ago, he did a video discussing his YouTube ban. He got 139,000 viewers. So the point is, uh, unless it's football or unless it's live sports or live programming to some degree, why would you spend, if you're a marketing person, hundreds and thousands, if not millions of dollars advertising on Modern Family when you can split it up to the Young Turks, the Tim Pool, you can split it up to freaking AAF football. You can split, I mean, you can split it up in any capacity you want. So you say, look, I need to reach women. Well, advertise on, I, I don't know what it is, some you know, women-focused YouTube channel, whatever it is. I don't know what it is. I need to reach uh, sports fans, advertise on AAF, live sports. I need to reach hockey fans. I need to reach sports fans, young males in their you know, 34 to 55 years old. They're going to be watching NHL. Advertise there. It's going to be a whole heck of a lot cheaper than advertising on Jimmy Kimmel Live. And then you can split up. You can have more advertising on YouTube, advertising on sports. I would, without question, I would say, look, I'm going to hit this target audience. I'm going to advertise on Young Turks for my liberal base. I'm going to advertise on Steve Crowd for my conservative base. It'd be a heck of a lot cheaper than advertising on Jimmy Kimmel, where I'm only getting liberals anyway. Second, liberals anyway. Secondly, I can still do live sports and live programming to get a wider net. And so I can split up my advertising dollars. Why would you not do that? And the reason I know they don't do that is because the corporations who uh, they just love. I don't when I say this until I'm blue in the face. When I was at USAA, they love being on the rub shoulders with RG3 and all the big titans at you at the NFL. So the USAA brass said, oh, we're going to advertise on the, on the NFL and spend millions and millions and millions of dollars. Not that it's going to do any good for the franchise, but it makes us feel important. And that's that's the issue here. At the end of the day, if you're comfortable in your skin, you don't want that. You don't care about running shoulders with RG3. You just want to make sure your advertising is doing what it's supposed to do, which is bringing new customers. Hey, hope you find this interesting. I'll put this link to the show notes. As always, thumbs up, five-star rating, comment helps me a lot. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks now.